What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because uncommon success usually only follows uncommon effort. Today's guest knows a thing or two about that and has been putting in his reps for years, interviewing thousands of entrepreneurs and building a seven-figure business along the way. John Lee Dumas, welcome back to the Side Hustle Show. Brother, it has been far too long. I love coming on, having great conversations with you and your lovely audience. So thanks for having me back. We have this tradition of having you on every four years, uh, 2013, (laughs) 2017, and now here in 2021. Ooh, 2025 is going to be a big one. Yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe, hopefully we can, uh, maybe not wait that long. Let's do it before that, but. (laughs) Sounds good. Stick around in this one to get John's take on the common path to uncommon success, which is the topic and title of his latest book, which examines the uh, recurring threads from those thousands of interviews and breaks them down into a step-by-step roadmap. You'll find John at eofire.com and you can learn more about the book along with some killer pre and bulk order deals at uncommonsuccessbook.com. John, first up, uh, congrats on the engagement. When's the wedding? You know, I popped the question December 25th. It was Christmas Day right here. And I said, you know, what better gift can I give myself than to get this girl to put a ring on that finger? So uh, (laughs) I popped the question. Kate luckily said yes. And the wedding is TBD due to COVID, of course, but I will say that Kate's sister is a wedding planner. In fact, she has a wedding planning podcast that goes by that name, and they right now are recording episodes planning the wedding. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Cara's been on the show before. Oh, Cara, cool. Yeah, yeah, she's great, and her and uh, Kate are gonna, you know, plan quite the wedding, and all I know is, man, I gotta sell some books. (laughs) I gotta sell some books to pay for this thing. (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. Well, uh, you've got 17 steps to the uh, the common path to uncommon success. But I would say, you know, step zero is this support network, this supportive partner, supportive family. It's hard to overstate that, but we can get into um, step one here, which is coming up with your big idea, which you have defined as where passion and expertise intersect. Can you tell me about that process? So listen, So many people, Nick, are literally going to die without ever having identified their big idea. And it's really sad. I mean, very few of your audience, because that's why they're consuming this content, because they're here to learn, they're here to consume, they're here to live what I call their zone of fire. So that's going to happen for most people listening. But most people in this world are going to die without ever even having identified their big idea. And that's really sad. And frankly, a lot of people are getting some so-so advice out there. Like one of the pieces of advice people are getting are, follow your passion, like that's enough, like just do that. And that's terrible advice because listen, if it's just your passion and there's no value to go with it, it's just a hobby. Because listen, people are gonna be happy for you that you're passionate about something, but unless it's providing real value to their world, unless it's providing a real solution to their problems, they're not going to care that much, I promise you. And that's just called being a human being. So you need to say, okay, what am I passionate about? What am I excited about? Good, check. I know all these things now. Okay, now step two, what am I good at? What skills do I have? What value can I add to this world? Okay, step two's done. I know those things now. Step three, how can I combine what I'm good at, value that I can add to the world, skills that I have 
with something that I'm passionate about and excited about and fired up about, what does that look like? What is that zone of fire that I call that lies in the middle that intersects those two? That's a combination and a commingling of your passions and your skills, of your enthusiasm and your expertise. That's your zone of fire. That's where your big idea lies. Because now you're excited about it. So you're gonna get up every day and do it. But also, guess what? you are going to be adding value to the world. You're going to be solving real problems and other people are going to care then because they will care when you provide solutions to their problems. Yeah, this is the sweet spot where your interests and expertise intersect. But I want to push back on this a minute because I had no passion for podcasting when I was starting out. Like I didn't know how it worked at all. It's something that I've developed a passion for over you know almost... Oh my God, is it eight years this year? Almost eight years of doing it. But I, I don't know. Like I wouldn't have checked that box as a passion box uh, early on. Let me ask you a question. Did you enjoy having enjoyable conversations, lively conversations with interesting people? Sure. Okay, that's podcasting, brother. Like don't label it like it has to be like some audio technical thing. Like that's excitement, that's enthusiasm. Like sitting down, having a cup of coffee with somebody at a restaurant and being like, wow, I'm really enjoying having a great conversation with an intelligent person, with a motivating, inspiring person, with a person that I find interesting. I'm having a good time along these lines. Well, now you're just taking that and you're recording that conversation and you're putting it out there to the world. So, you know, it's important not to overthink these type of things. I mean, that's exactly what I liked doing was having cool conversations with cool people. And I said, why not take it to the next level? Why not record these things and share it with other people? Because maybe they'll get some benefit as well. And 10 years later, 100 million listens plus later, Entrepreneurs on Fire has really been able to take those conversations that I've had with interesting people and share it with the world. Okay, and that's, that's a helpful reframe. I would have framed it as, you know, not podcasting, but we're not necessarily having conversations with interesting people, which, you know, the early guests very much were interesting people, but it was what I would have called the passion was like deconstructing business models, like figuring out how it worked, where the money came from, how they marketed that thing. And that is still something that drives curiosity and drives the show today. So that is a helpful reframe. Is there such thing as being too niche? Um, like I've, I've seen some successful podcasts. We had a guest on recently who had like a laundromat podcast, like how to run a laundromat business. And he was like, it's done surprisingly well. And I said, well, why do you say surprisingly? And he's like, because it's a laundromat podcast. But I'm curious if you've seen anything where it's like, I don't know if that's a big enough market to try and serve. It is impossible. And I mean impossible to be too niche. People always go the other way because they're scared. They're fearful. They have their own self-doubts and they think, I just need to be able to serve everybody. I want to resonate with everybody. I want to just create a podcast that just inspires other people to inspire other people to inspire other people. And that fails because that is a weak, pale imitation of other successful podcasts that are out there that are actually doing something specific. And that's why people lose. Why people win is because they say, I'm gonna create the best solution to a real problem. I flippin' love that laundromat podcast idea because guess what? He is the best laundromat podcast in the world. He's also the worst. He's the only and that's why you win in this world, because you become the best. However that is, if that takes you being the only to be the best, that's giving you a chance to win because people will beat a path to your doorstep if you're number one. If you're number two, if you're number 10, if you're number 200, you will lose. Yeah, where can you be the only? That was a line that stood out to me from the book. 
was like, hey, I, when you started EO Fire, I was the best daily interview podcast for entrepreneurs. I was the worst daily interview podcast for entrepreneurs. I was the only, and that's an interesting place to play. Now they're defunct because they got their lunch eaten by Netflix, but just picture back to the day. If you're over 30 years old, you can probably remember a blockbuster being in your town. You wanted to rent a movie back in the day. You had to go to Blockbuster. They were the only show in town and they won at a high level for that very reason. How can you be the only show in town, the only solution in the world that is the number one solution to a real problem? That's how you're going to win. Yeah, I'm looking back at some of my previous businesses, my footwear comparison shopping site. It was the best, worst, only comparison shopping site dedicated to footwear. And same thing with the virtual assistant review site. When it started, it was the best, worst, and only uh, platform dedicated to reviewing virtual assistant companies. There you go. So starting today, blog, podcast, YouTube, or fill in the blank, other, like, you know, one of the core tenets of the book is creating valuable content consistently for your avatar, for your target customer. What channel do you like today if you're starting over? Listen, I like the channel where my avatar is going to be. Like wherever my perfect customer, my perfect client's gonna be, that's the channel that I wanna be in. That's why step three of the 17-step process is create your avatar. Understand who that perfect customer, client, listener is. And step four is choose your platform. You have to do it in that order. You have to know where your perfect individuals are going to be that you're gonna be able to serve the best. To get kind of specific for a second, I mean, in 2021 and beyond, I am loving this new platform of Clubhouse. It is a very special place right now. And, you know, this is a warning. Marketers ruin everything, and they may end up ruining Clubhouse as well. But right now, it is a fantastic place. It is a fantastic place to waste time if you do it incorrectly, but it's also a fantastic place to really get educated, speak to people one-on-one, get like real mentorship, real learning, have real conversations and really have some great exposure to some fantastic individuals. So I think that's definitely a platform we're checking out for people. Interesting. My phone is too old. It won't let me download it. <laughs> you know, it is one of those things where I don't know what's going to happen in the next six months with Clubhouse, but I personally only see it going one way, up and to the right. And it's going to take a chunk out of podcasting. It really is. Well, maybe I'll, I'll start paying a little more attention to it. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One of the interesting you know, up and coming platforms that's been around, you know, since the dawn of the internet is just email newsletters. We've seen people build huge audiences on the back of just the value from the newsletter. And it's like, wow, this is the end game for a lot of bloggers, podcasts, like get people on my email list. They'd cut out the middleman and say like, the newsletter is the thing. So I think that's an interesting way to go these days. If you are creating this content consistently for your avatar and you're not seeing any traction, like how long do you wait? Like, is it a marketing problem or is that a idea problem? What's going on there? This is the problem. If you're having that situation that Nick just described, you are not providing the best solution to a real problem. Because if you were, you would have traction, you would have momentum, you would be winning. I've lost and failed multiple times because I made this mistake. I assumed what my audience needed I tried something that I thought they really wanted to have and I was wrong and I failed. But when I finally got it through my head to say, I'm just gonna ask my audience, what is their biggest struggle right now? And listen to their answer. They would tell me those struggles, those obstacles, those pain points, those challenges. And then guess what? I just created the solution for them. So, you know, a great example for me is people were telling me, John, you're doing a daily podcast. Like you're creating, growing and monetizing your show and you're doing it seven days a week. I mean, you must be kind of getting pretty good at this. How do I create my podcast? Like how do I create my podcast on art or music or sports or news or fill in the blank? And I said, wow, I'm getting a lot of people asking essentially the same questions. How do I create, launch, grow and monetize my podcast? So I launched the first successful thing, you know, since my podcast which was Podcaster's Paradise. Like I, I, I launched a podcast, had a bunch of failed attempts at trying to monetize. And then finally, when I asked that question and got the right answers, 15 months after launching the podcast, I launched was now turned into a multi, multi-million dollar paid platform, Podcaster's Paradise, which has over 6,000 members, over $7 million in revenue over the past eight years of running this by asking that one simple question. So if you're not getting the traction that Nick's referring to, it's because you're not asking the right questions. You're not providing the right solution to the actual problem that your audience has. And do you do that in the form of an annual survey, semi-annual survey, a part of an email autoresponder sequence? Like, what are you struggling with? What's the structure like? I do things that don't scale, and I encourage every single person to do things that don't scale. What does that look like? Somebody emails me and says, John, I love your podcast. I listen to it, X, Y, Z. I will respond to them and I try to do a minimum of five of these a month. Back in the day, by the way, I did five of these a week at minimum, sometimes more when I was really trying to mine for information. And I would respond by saying, hey, can we just jump on a quick Skype call? 
I would love to ask you these five questions. And by the way, not everybody's gonna wanna jump on a Skype call and that's okay. So what I would then do is just say, okay, well, since you don't wanna jump on a call, can you just answer these four questions and I'll send them back these questions. But when I can, I jump on a call because I really wanna hear their voice. I really wanna hear the words they specifically use organically because that turns into my future marketing. So what I do is I say, number one, how'd you hear about my podcast? Like, how did you first hear about Entrepreneurs on Fire? I like to start being able to learn how people are finding out about my show, Entrepreneurs on Fire, to listen to it in the first place so I can deconstruct what's working what's not and pour some igniter fluid and amplify the things that are working. Step two, I'm like, what do you actually like about my show? Like, let's be honest here. Like, what do you like about Entrepreneurs on Fire? What's actually enjoyable about it? And then step three, I say, what don't you like about the show? Be honest with me. I can take it. You know, I'm an army guy. You can tell me what you don't like about the show. (laughs) And by the way, when you get the answers here, don't just change something from one response. That could be an anomaly. But if a theme develops and a lot of people are saying, I don't like this about your show and you're hearing that a lot, maybe it's time to think about a change. And then step four, which we've kind of already talked about is the most important question. What's your biggest struggle right now? And I ask them that question. I listen to their answers. And again, I am writing down and recording and you know using their vocabulary, the words that they use end up being the subject lines in my emails, end up being the names that I, I create for my courses, end up being you know, the copy that I use on my sales pages, their words. That's how you win. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, as I was reading your book, it, it kind of made me stressed out in a way. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's all this stuff that I could and should be doing differently. And uh, I had to set it down for a couple of weeks to uh, actually go and implement some stuff, which was, which was really cool. So that, I think that's the mark of a good book, one that inspires action. I remember this is probably 2015. We were at this conference in uh, Phoenix. You were speaking. It was like uh, Icon, the Infusionsoft conference. And you gave this talk and you were like, "Uh, John, how'd you come up with all these good ideas? The truth is, I didn't. The audience did. Oh, you seem to be having success with this podcast. How do I start a podcast? The answer turns into Podcaster's Paradise. John, you seem to be selling the crap out of Podcaster's Paradise on live webinars. How are you doing that? Okay, here comes webinars on fire. And it's just kind of keep asking the question and providing the answers. Yes. <laughs> yes, it made, a lot, it made a lot of sense. Yes, that is exactly the process. You ask the questions, you ask what the biggest struggle is, your audience provides their response, and you say, okay, which one of these themes that are developing from these responses do I want to create into a course or a product or a service or a book or a coaching program or a mastermind or a challenge. It's all up to you. As a former swimmer, uh, one of my favorite stories in the book is the story of like how, John, you're this, you know, the starting point guard, you know, senior season, injury derails you from the basketball court. And so you're like, well, there's, you know, the swim team over here. (laughs) Let me try this out. (laughs) Tell me about uh, what went on at the pool. I was like, man, like there's just all these kids that aren't quite as cool as basketball players that are like in this pool every day, wearing Speedos. Like, I don't really know what's going on over there, but uh, I guess I gotta gotta do something to stay into shape and to stay out of trouble. So yeah, senior season, I decided to, uh, didn't decide. It was kind of decided for me due to a a knee injury um, that I couldn't play basketball and I decided to jump in the pool. And, you know, as I kind of went through in the book, like, man, my first meat was terrible. Like, you know, I only knew freestyle because I I didn't like swim, you know, anything but, um, and I never swam competitively. So I didn't know breaststroke or butterfly or backstroke. I just knew how to do freestyle. And so that was like my only race was the 50 and the 100 yard freestyle. And the first race, you know, I had my big baggy swim trunks on and 
I didn't know how to do a flip turn and like I finished at like 34 seconds for like the 50 yard freestyle, which is a terrible time. And I actually stopped like three quarters of the way to like look where the finish line was like, and nobody does that. And so that was embarrassing. But then, like I said on the book, yeah, I'm like, is this over yet? Come on. And then I looked up at the time and I was just like, wait a second, that says 34 seconds. And yes, I came in last place. And yes, that's a terrible time, but this is going to be fun. I'm going to beat that time every single race from here till the end of the season. And it became like a game where I would practice extra. I actually joined a second swim team just to get more laps in. And, and I practiced flip turns on my own. I eventually went to the Speedo. And, you know, the moral of the story, kind of a spoiler is, I ended up winning first place in the state of Maine for the 50-yard freestyle with a time that was more than 10 seconds less than my initial time, which is an eternity, like literally an eternity. And I was like the most improved player in the state, you know, the most improved swimmer. Like I came out of nowhere and like my team went undefeated you know, mostly because, you know, I was winning all these races and now I was on the relay team as well. So we were getting all these more points than we otherwise would have without me on the team. I mean, the team would have been good without me, but like I was like the missing piece to make it great and to make us undefeated. And it ended up just being this crazy awesome experience that like I never forgot that like just the small things add up to such big results. You know, like for me going from a swim trunks to a speedo, you know, becoming a bad starter to a good starter to a great starter. You know, how long do I stay underwater before I surface and start swimming? Like, when do I actually do the flip turn? And then how, you know, how do I do that effectively? And all these different things. How do you finish strong, you know, not with like half your arm, you know, bent, but like, you know, straight arm to get the best time possible. And like, it was just like so many things that like added up to the final success that I just applied that to entrepreneurship, you know, and, and I read the book, The Slight Edge, and it just kind of reinforced how doing the small things right every single day can have such a big impact in your life. A hundred percent. I love that book. And I love this idea of racing against yourself and trying to figure out the next thing to fix or tweak or improve upon rather than just being like, I'll just flail my arms harder and kick harder. It's like, okay, no, there's, there's a systematic way uh, to go about that. And that may be a good segue into the systematic way that you guys approach content creation and product creation and all this stuff. Tell me about this, like, because the book has a section on systems documentation process. Such a key part of your business because so many people are just reinventing the wheel. They're just doing something that takes a lot of work and then they're putting it out to the world and then they're coming back to the drawing board and they're reinventing the wheel and they're doing it all over again and they're doing it all over again. And that's such a terrible process because it's so inefficient. And that's why, frankly, you know, people end up fading. We, in the podcasting world, call it pod fading, but it can work in any single industry. Like you just fade because you don't have any systems, any tools, any automations. And you eventually just get burned out by having to like recreate the wheel every single time you want to create that piece of content or do that thing. And I never did that from day one. Like I knew how important it was to get as efficient as possible. And I was forced to, because I was doing a daily podcast. So it was either get efficient, get systems, get automations, you know, get better at what I do every single day, or I will fail, or I will pod fade, because it's just the way it's gonna happen with a daily show, 365 episodes a year. Yeah, I feel the same way where it's like, you know, every week, another another week keeps yeah. coming. I gotta come up with another episode. Another episode. And I'll tell people, I host, uh, I host this weekly podcast and they'll ask, well, what do you do the rest of the week? <laughs> and it's like, well, there's some effort that goes into it, you know? But for you to do it seven days a week requires a different level of systemization. It really does. And so every single time I did something that A, was outsourceable, I would create 
the video tutorial and then outsource it. And so every part of my process, I continue to kind of just take off of my plate. So now it comes down to literally, I just do the thing. Now, what's the thing? It's just speaking to the microphone and interviewing that person. And then every other part of my process is completely outsourced off my plate. It's either automated, it's either given to uh, a virtual assistant who's doing everything else, and it just runs. Like I used to remember how, you know, before I had this whole system in place and I was still growing and building it, like how much work it would be just to do every month's worth of uploads for interviews. And now I do it, I'm just like, oh my God, like it's really done for me. Like because of the systems, of the tools, of the automations, of the outsourcing, and it's possible in everything that you do. And the best part is all of our systems and automations are recorded in a library. So if we ever have like one of our virtual assistants just decide to quit or to move on or whatever it might be, the next person that comes in has their training right there. It's really that simple. Yeah, I like this. I think it was, if you see yourself doing a task and you can foresee yourself doing that task again, then that's when it's time to create the process documentation, even if it's just for yourself, right. not to follow this checklist but to create this library of documentation for your team members. For you guys, when was it time to hire someone? Like, when did you decide to make that first uh, virtual assistant hire? So for me, I actually brought a virtual assistant with me day one, because in my previous life, before Entrepreneurs on Fire, I was in the real estate game, and I had a virtual assistant for that. And so she was amazing. I just brought her with me. And that was a really smooth transition. And, you know, she was just able to learn and to kind of grow with the company. She's literally been with me for 12 years now. So the business has been running for a decade, but she's been with me for 12, even two prior than that. And our other two virtual assistants have been with us for seven and six years consecutively. Very cool. You got some long-term employees there. That's how we roll. Well, once you have that documentation in place, it makes it so much easier to bring on other people to help in your business. And that was definitely a challenge for me in my first uh, virtual hire going back like 2009 timeframe, getting all the systems that had so far only existed in my head and had become second nature to me, but getting those uh, out of my head and into a recipe somebody else could follow was super helpful and also kind of just an eye-opening process. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. 
Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Well, John, another line in the book that stood out to me was this quote that you only need to be right once. You know, I've, I feel like I have had maybe less than five, certainly less than 10, like actual good ideas in my lifetime. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be an idea machine. You do not need to be an idea machine. In fact, and I mean this, I've really only had one great idea in my life and that is Entrepreneurs on Fire. That was the understanding that there needed to be a daily podcast. And even though I was gonna produce a bad one for a significant amount of time due to my lack of experience and all the other things, that it needed to exist and I could create that podcast and I could fill that void that needed to be filled. And from there, it's really just been what we've talked about. It's been, okay, I now have created the best solution to a real problem and I built an audience as a result that no likes and trust me. Now let me ask them that question. What are you struggling with? They tell me and then they provide the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's not like it works every single time. I still have plenty of failures listening to my quote unquote audience, but guess what? I've also had a ton of successes listening to my audience. And so that's been the process. It's really been one great idea. And then everything else has just been another idea of, hey, why don't I just have my audience tell me what they want and then me provide that solution? All right. You protect your downside risk and you'd have enough swings, one or two of them hit and you're off to the races. Races. And we're talking seven figure races. I mean, I've now created four multi-million dollar revenue streams as a result of those swings and hits. And the ones that I missed, guess what? They might've cost me a few thousand bucks. So it's like definitely working out in the long run. Right, it's not the end of the world if something does flop and you kind of live to see another day. You can learn a lot from those flops too. I mean, those flops can be great life lessons that you're then applying to come back bigger and better the next time. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so UncommonSuccessBook.com, you've got the 17-step roadmap going on over here. you got some pre-order specials. What can people expect to find over there? Well, first off, brother, I just appreciate you releasing this before the book actually launches to give your audience the chance to snag these pre-order bonuses because they are special and they all disappear on March 23rd. So you want to take advantage of these pre-order bonuses. They are insane. Just one of them, by the way. I am shipping to your door, to your doorstep, all three of my journals, the Freedom Mastery and Podcast Journal on my own dime. I'm shipping them to your door if you're based in the United States. For those outside, I'm immediately emailing you the digital pack, which is a beautiful, fillable digital pack of all three journals. There's four other insane bonuses. You can learn about those bonuses at uncommonsuccessbook.com. When you get there, You'll see the endorsements from Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin, Neil Patel, Erica Mandy, Dory Clark. You'll also see a video of me talking about the book and the details. I actually give you the first chapter for free on that page as well. There's a full description of all five bonuses, uncommonsuccessbook.com. So what's going on here, John? This is a traditionally published book. You're making two bucks on a copy or something? $1.25, brother. Nice. Okay. And you're spending 30 in uh, shipping these journals out to everybody. What's the angle here? 
Brother, the angle is this. I've made it financially. I really have. I live in Puerto Rico. I pay 4% tax. I've made over $20 million since I launched. It's all because my audience, Fire Nation, has supported me and I love them to death for that. This book is the solution to their problems. This is the 17-step roadmap to their financial freedom and fulfillment. I want them to get this book and sometimes they just need a little extra nudge, a little extra bonus, so to speak. So I am so happy to dig into my pocket and to fund this no-brainer of an idea to get all three of these journals to your doorstep and I'm losing money on every single one of these pre-orders. Not a little bit, a lot of money on every (laughs) single one. a lot. Because guess what? I care, I really do. I want this book in your hands because it is going to make you win. And that's what we need more is people winning in this world. We need more people living within their big idea, living within their zone of fire, every single day waking up excited about what they can do. It breaks my heart, it really does, Nick, when I get the hundreds and thousands of emails on a day, week, monthly basis of people asking me essentially the same 10 questions and I can't answer everybody's email one by one. There's just no time in the world to do that. But now I finally have the solution. I finally have the answer to all of these questions in the form of one book, 273 pages, 71,000 words. It took me 480 hours to write. I didn't write for 480 hours to write this book to just have a couple thousand people. Like I want hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people to get their hands on this book and to follow this revolutionary 17-step format roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. Is there a direct benefit to you other than like the personal achievement of like hitting a New York Times list, a Wall Street Journal list? I would love all of those things because then that would make more books be sold and more books go into the hands of more people. So whatever list that I can get on, whatever recognition that I can get, whatever podcast that I can get on, brother, I told you this pre-interview, I'm on 54 other podcasts this week. This is what I'm doing. I am literally here just speaking and preaching to this book because I believe in it so much. And whatever it's gonna take to get you to invest in this book, and I don't necessarily even mean the $25 is gonna cost you. I mean the time that you're gonna have to invest going through these steps, going through this roadmap, investing that time in yourself to get to your version of uncommon success, to achieve financial freedom and fulfillment. I want that for you. Well, I'm excited to see where this launch ends up. Because we've seen it with like James Clear and some of these other authors who you tap into your existing audience, your existing network. But then once you hit these lists, the algorithms and like the, you know, marketing flywheel really starts to spin and you go way beyond your own circle of influence and good things start to happen there. So I'm excited for that. Uncommonsuccessbook.com. Go check it out. Grab yourself a copy. Get those journals on John's presale uh, offer there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. And then we'll uh, do a trip down memory lane and uh, revisit your tips from 2013, 2017. So this is what I want to say. If you become the best solution to a real problem, whether it becomes your side hustle or your full-time hustle, you are going to win. You need to become the best solution to a real problem. That's how you're going to win. I love it. Become the best solution to a real problem. 2013, John said, just start. 2017, do you have a guess for what 2017, John said? Be a person of value. Well, that is good. The correct answer is failure to plan is planning to fail. Totally wrong. Uh, but also, you know, a good, a good response there. 
Well, John, always good to catch up, man. Uh, I'm glad we got a chance to to hang. Notes and links for this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash JLD3. Thanks to John for sharing his insight. Thanks to Gusto for sponsoring this week. If you like what you hear on the Side Hustle Show, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show where you'll meet the guy who's happy to sell just 2% of his inventory every year and still has a very profitable side hustle. I'll see you then. Hustle on.